Leaders in Worship podcast, episode number seven. Welcome to the Leaders in Worship podcast. Our purpose is to equip, connect, and develop leaders in the area of worship ministry. I'm your host, Matt Perkins, and I want to say thanks for listening. If you've joined us by uh, listening on our website, leadersinworship.com, or perhaps you've subscribed through iTunes, now we are available on Stitcher Smart Radio. If you use Stitcher, then you know how useful it is in uh, subscribing to podcasts. If not, you can go to Stitcher.com, and there are links. If you use an Apple device or an Android, you can download apps through there, and uh, you will love it. Uh, Subscribe to your favorite podcasts and listen to Stitcher Smart Radio. Well, today we are continuing our discussion with Lester Rector on discipleship. How do we implement a discipleship program in our ministry? Last week... Lester had mentioned that most often when issues arise and we're dealing with difficult things in our ministry, it's normally not a music issue or a music problem. Normally, it is a discipleship issue, and we want to develop our people. We want to develop the people that that serve in our ministries, and Lester has created a great resource that we can use in our ministry, and it's called Face-to-Face Worship. You can find information in our show notes on how you can get a hold of this. You go to leadersinworship.com slash 007, and you'll find out about this discipleship material, as well as Lester and Holly's ministry. They have a new CD that's going to be released very soon, and they are great songwriters, incredible vocalists, and worship leaders, and I believe would be a great resource for your church and for your ministry. But uh, let's go ahead and go to part two of our series on discipleship. Well, it's, the program itself is designed to, to uh, create intimacy, intimacy with God through, uh, through relationship. Um, and by relationship, I mean uh, through understanding who we are in the relationship. Yeah. Uh, I, I often start um, each. I often start session one with with the new students coming in a new year. I often start the session by asking them this question: Is it a relationship if you don't know who you are in it? Hmm. Because most people will say to you, "I have a relationship with God," but yet they're not living like a son or a daughter of God. If 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 in your identity, if you're not consistently living within that identity, then ultimately at the end of the day, it can't be deemed a relationship because God only knows you from the perspective of a son or daughter. I think that's why a lot of people struggle to hear God when He speaks. Uh, well, there's a lot of reasons why we struggle to hear Him when we speak when He speaks. But but one of those one of the struggles that a lot of people have is that they only know God from one perspective, and that is from a servant to a master. Um, Jesus said in John 16, I no longer call you servants because a servant cannot know what the master is doing, but I define you as friend. The word friend in that passage is defined as someone who sticks closer than blood. Yeah. Um, and, and so, and so you know, at the end of the day, um, relationship from God's point of view is your understanding of who you are from his perspective. Otherwise, you're, it's going to be very difficult for you to communicate and function 
out of that perspective uh-huh. if you're unable to hear the language of a father to a son or a father to a daughter. Does that make yeah. sense? Yep. So, so this thing is about is about developing uh, right, re- and I use that word intentionally, right relationship with God. Yeah. And uh, and we do this. I, you know, I, I equate it to building a house. Session one, we we uh, we lay foundation for relationship. And by foundation, I mean we go back to some of the more basic things. Um, I, I tell all of my students that this this uh, this teaching is going to it's going to break up. It's going to uh, destroy. I'm using harsh words. It's going to crush the current foundation that you have. It's intended to. Yeah. Why? Because again, we want to build right foundation for yeah. relationships. So, <clears throat> so in session one, I deal with aspects of identity right off the bat. I talk about I talk about you know how God sees us, his his perspective of who we are. And someone say, well, Lester, you know. Um, you know, I hear you. I hear you say those things, and I and I go, man, I know this information, yada yada. Uh, but ultimately, at the end of the day, the teaching is only fifty percent of of the discipleship program. The other fifty percent is our is our learning how to respond to God out of what we're being taught, and uh, and that's the biggest challenge for most of my students is that. Um, they hear it. They're even able to regurgitate it. But ultimately, hands down, everyone will say about week five or six of that first that first session, which is ten weeks long. Week five or six or so, their their answers to their questions weekly start to change, and they start to change because they realize, oh, oh, I can't just give the generic Bible answer anymore, <laughs> yeah. you know, because this thing is starting to become personal, you know, because it's intended to. Again, yeah. we, you know, we said from the very beginning, God's a personal God. So everything he does, he does from a personal point of view. Yeah. And in this case, we're talking about relationships. So we dive right into identity. We dive into what faith is, what obedience is, what is the fear or the love of God, what is peace, what is worship. People think, again, you know, worship is one of those learned, you know, attributes in church that we engage in. We learn how to say words and phrases that define who God is. We learn songs. We know where the key changes are. We lift our hands on the key changes. Yeah. Why? Because we've learned that in that moment of the song, there should be some type of bodily yeah. response. You yeah. know, we learn things. But ultimately, you know, in, in week nine of session one, uh, I define worship as not something you do, but it is who you are. When we realize who we are in relationship with God, every aspect of our life is worship to Him. Yeah. On the job, in the school, you know, whatever we're doing, we are doing it as unto, the scripture says, as unto the Lord. Not because we're thinking about words and phrases of worship in those moments, but because we're functioning in who he says we are. Now, when you, uh, so the, there's 10 weeks in this material. Now, session one is 10 weeks. Okay, session, yeah, session one. And then you go into session two. Now, we're going to have in our show notes, we're going to give you a link that uh, you can go and you can go to Lester and Holly's website. It's lesterandholly.com. Mm-hmm. And you can find material about their, their music as well as this discipleship course. And yep. this is what we're talking about today. When we talk about equip, connect, and develop, we want to develop not only us personally as leaders, but we want to raise up other leaders that are in our ministry. Absolutely. And so we have session one, and then session two, you start talking about the conversations mm-hmm. with God. And and that is that where you're talking about that uh, hearing God's voice and, and how that communication line starts? It's the most popular classes that I teach. Um, hands down, the students will tell you that 
uh, session two, a lot of them can't wait to get to session two because those first three weeks we deal on nothing but conversation and what God's voice sounds like and what should we should be listening for. I even have one one uh, conversation on will I like what I hear, <laughs> you know, because because yeah. through Scripture there are many who did not you know like what they heard, and again that's because God only speaks from one perspective, and that perspective is the truth. Um, so in our desensitized society today, we have become more accustomed to believing the lie over the truth. I don't know how many troops I have met on airplanes that I have been in services with. In fact, my wife and I, uh, the the, uh, Church of God General Assembly is happening, and and my wife and I kicked off the General Assembly this year on on Sunday night, this past Sunday night, at the Chaplain's Commission. And it it was a room full of 400 chaplains from across the world. Who have come into this? Who have come to the convention? That is and, awesome. And it was ama- and, and and again, you listen to their testimonies, and they'll tell you that what you hear on the news is not what is real. Yeah. In the in the actual, you know, and and it because and, and and we believe the lie over the truth. Why? Because that's what we've become more familiar with. Yeah. So a lot of people struggle to hear God speak because they don't know how to differentiate between differentiate between what is the lie and yeah. what is the truth. And so, you know, at the end of the day. Uh, you know, conversation is the, is the, you know, session two is one of those, uh, I, I say it's, you know, we start building the walls, you know, we've, yeah. we've laid foundation in session one, session two, we're putting the walls up, you know, um, and, uh, uh, you know, we, after, after we deal with conversation, we kind of dive into uh, what the call of God is, you know, and, and, and uh, what is, um, uh, what is the will of God, and, um, you know, those kind of aspects of, of, again, conversation that have been somewhat distorted in church, not because we've said them wrong, but because people are only getting half of the information. Right. So um, when, when we talk about um, the call of God, most people think about, you know, what they're meant to do in life, you know. But, yeah. but Scripture tells us clearly that, that we're called to one thing, and that's relationship with God. That's all we were ever called to, yeah. you know, was relationship. Um, my wife and I lived in Aurora, Colorado. We've seen that on the news this past week and such tragedy that, that has happened. But a, a friend of mine that I worked with um, in the ministry there, he would talk about the will of God and you know, finding the will of God. If people were talking about you know, what, what is the will of God for my life. And, and we would have conversations every Friday. One of the most enjoyable things about that job was Friday mornings. And we would just talk about, you know, where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? What, what is God saying to you now? And we just kind of gave each other open access into when one was saying something, the other could challenge them on it. And yeah. he really, uh, really caused me to be an independent thinker and not just go because somebody else said and uh, so he would talk about the will of God. We talked about, you know, what God was was leading when we started looking at uh, we were going to be transitioning and and moving. Uh, had accepted a position or were were talking about it um, in Wisconsin. So we had open open conversations about that. And one of the things that he had said, he goes, Matt. He said, when you really think about it, the will of God is really not that hard. And he said, we've made it some mystical type of thing going, you know, and he said, it's something that we've built up so much in our mind that we're almost afraid of the will of God. So then we, we don't act, we don't do anything because we're afraid of being out of the will of God 
or you know where is that sweet spot yes there is a sweet spot in knowing you know when you're walking in relationship with god that is that sweet spot and uh, he goes but when you're really trying to find the will of god um it's it's hard to miss it let me ask you a question whose will is it who does it belong to the will of god belongs to god yeah <laughs> And, and, and yet we spend so much time trying to figure out what that is. And, and I ask my students, why? Why do you need to know that? So that you can control it. Because ultimately, you want to know what that is so that you can manipulate it. And I, I'm just going to say, again, we're, again, we talked about elephants in the room. Here's one right here. You want to know what that is because you want to try to manipulate and control it. Right. And that's why God doesn't give us the full picture you know, yeah. in fact, for many of us, and I'll just say for myself, God doesn't give me any picture. Um, the, the aspect of faith, or if this relationship with God is founded, founded on, the, on the principle of faith, then ultimately, you know, we are all walking blind into the will of God, and that's the intent yeah. of God for our lives. Yeah. Does that mean that, we, that, we are, that we're functioning less in the will of God? Whether you knew it or not, do you think you'd miss a beat? No. Right. Because it's not yours to control. It's God's to maneuver you into. That's why I try to get, again, that's why this process is so much on focusing on just the relationship. Just the relationship. Why? Because so many of us want something from God. We're looking for Him to do something for us in our lives so that, or, or, or we're looking for him to give us some type of purpose or some type of, 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 uh, of identity outside of what he's already said about mm-hmm. us. Most of us never get to a point where we recognize that one identity of who he says we are and we learn how to live in just that. Right. Because we want so much to be identified in our, and in, 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 in it's in our society, man. Our American Idol society tells yeah. us that we have to have some type of worth outside of who God just says we are as sons and daughters. Yeah. Adam never had to look to do to do something for God. Not one time does it say in Genesis that Adam walked up to God and said, what do you want me to do for you? Right. But yet that is a common question yeah. in Christianity today. I want to do something for God. Why? Just learn how to be his son <laughs> or his yeah. daughter, and the doing will take place naturally. Right. It'll happen all on its own. You'll walk into what God wants you to quote unquote do. Yeah. And you'll have everything you need to do it with money, a home, a companion if that's what God desires. You know, so and so all these things come as a byproduct of just knowing him. And uh, and so, you know, and and it was the way with Adam. Adam never asked for a wife. God just gave him one. He said, "Hey, listen, man, it's not good for you to be alone. I'm going to bless you." You know. Yeah. And, 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 and Adam never had to ask for work to do. You know, they would, they would walk in the cool of the day, the scripture says, and God would say to Adam, hey, by the way, tomorrow start naming the animals, whatever you want to name them, man, I'm with you. You know, <laughs> and he just would be, and he would wait on the Lord for the next task if there was one, you know. Yeah. It was never about trying to gain some type of importance or worth by what we do. That's a performance-based Christianity. Right. You know, it was all about us just knowing who we are in him and living out of that. Yeah. I'm preaching to myself now. Too. Well, no, and uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked, um, I talked with Armando Fullwood, and uh, Armando is, uh, you can go back in it's uh, leadersinworship.com slash 003, and uh, you can find that interview there. And Armando is, um, some people know him from different things, and he runs 
front of house, does a lot of traveling with uh, Israel Houghton and New Breed. Um, he has a design company where they do a lot of uh, design work. But one of the things that he talked about in that we're just sharing now, he sells equipment, they design equipment. That's what his company is based on. You know, they're, they're out designing, installing, building systems for churches. But one of the things that he had said was, you know, it's not the HD screen that draws men to repentance. Hmm. And in this elusive search for relevance, identity, and a desire for bigger crowds and approval that now we can feel validated because we have, you know, we're singing the cool songs. Or um, if you're a songwriter, somebody else is, is singing your songs, and now it, it brings this whole, you know, now you feel validated. That's all great. If, if God gave something to you, and now it's being used to bless your congregation, mm-hmm. it's being used to bless other congregations, that's an amazing thing. But if that relationship with God and knowing who God is, who we are in Christ, um, if that foundation, if that isn't the centerpiece and we don't have that figured out ahead of time, we're always going to be trying and we're going to get our, our ministry is going to get twisted. We're going to be sideways. And then we have situations where, you know, other people have to come in and say, well, we've got to. We've got to figure this out. We've got to go back to, let's go back to, you know, Vince Lombardi used to walk in the first day of the season and, gentlemen, this is a football. And going back to the basics of saying, hey, this this is our relationship mm-hmm. with Christ. Going back to square one. Absolutely, man. That's all that's going to matter at the end of the day. Uh, when we stand before the Father, it won't be about the works that we've done. Those things will all be accounted for at the end, but ultimately at the end of the day, he will say, do I know you or do I not? It's Matthew 7. You know, yeah. either well done, my good and faithful servant, or depart from me. Scripture says that many will say on that day, Lord, we cast out demons, we, we performed miracles, we prophesied in your name, we did the works. But he'll say, I never knew you. That word knew means to be an intimate relationship with, or like blood, as we talked yeah. about, the friend aspect. Um, same term, same definition in the Greek and are in the Hebrew. And so, again, you know, this thing is about us knowing just Him. Just yeah. Him. So when we finish, um, when you're doing that session three, you've got the father and mentoring. Yep. And then you have um, dealing with offenses. Yeah. Dealing with offenses in, with leadership. Yep. Um, submission. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are... Hardcore. I mean, session. <laughs> I, I call session three my decorating session. I tell people that uh, some of the some of the uh, some of the biggest fights and arguments my wife and I have had as a creative individual is what we're going to put in the house, where it's going to go, how the couch is going to be turned, how that picture is going to be hung, <laughs> will it be centered, will it be left to center? You know, we I mean we've had some drop down, drag out arguments, and uh, and I tell people that session three is really that getting to the core, of the onion, the, the nastiest part the part that makes you cry. We've peeled away a ton of layers here, and now we're into the core. And, uh, you know, one of, the, one of my favorite teachings, actually, is in session three, and it's on unforgiveness. And, um, and it's just a, it's a powerful teaching on unforgiveness. One of the things that I say in that, uh, this is just a little tidbit, but one of the things that I tell people in that is if you're harboring unforgiveness, it's not because of what has been done to you. Mm. It's because you don't know who you are that has caused you to be 
to be in that place. Because if you really knew who you were as a son and your, and your life was being defined by what God says, what has been done to you by man would not have the impact it's having on you now. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, most people who are harboring unforgiveness are harboring that because they still do not have a clear understanding of who they are as sons and daughters of God. And, I, 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 and it revolutionized, when I, when I teach it, man, it, it changed because hands down in the class, I will have 50 to 60% of the students who are in the class that are dealing with unforgiveness. Some of them have been through divorces. Yeah. You know, all of these elements apply and they're going, but they did this to me. They hurt me. They yeah. Why did that matter to you when it happened? Why did that matter to you in the moment? Yes, it hurt. Yes, it was offensive. Yes, it did damage to you emotionally. All of yeah. those things apply. But ultimately, at the end of the day, if we're going to be defined by God, if we're going to be defined as sons and daughters of God by Him, and God uh -huh. says, this is who you are, yep. then at the end of the day, those things should never be a part of what's defining us yeah. in this life. Why? Because that's eventually going to fade. Yeah. That will that will that will no longer exist when we leave this world and go into eternity. Yep. That's no longer going to be something that's going to weigh on us. Does that make sense? Yep. yep. But the enemy uses those things as a form of distraction. Yeah. It's all meant to keep us from and we've all had those moments, mm -hmm. man. I mean, I still I think I can think of several moments in this conversation right now where someone has said or done something to me that has offended me. Yeah. And at the end of the day it still goes back to why am I offended? Yeah. Why? Why am I letting that do that to me? Yeah. Well, because of this scenario. Yeah. Because of because of my lack of understanding who I am. Yeah, there there are many times and I can think of one situation specifically that I was asking God to change the circumstances in my life and he was wanting to change my heart. Mm -hmm. And once I had a heart change, I viewed that situation completely different. Mm -hmm. uh, did it frustrate me sometimes? Yeah. But I was able to process it better. Yeah. And so I was able to sit back and go, okay, Matt, just keep everything in perspective. You know, this is what's going on. This material, Lester, is, is incredible. And if someone wants to get this, um, you offer... There's a few different things that you offer yeah. from DVDs to... Uh, the workbooks, how how can they get this information and what do they do? Well, there's two ways to get it. You can go to the artist site, which is lesterandholly.com, uh, and it will it, you'll see an icon or a link to the face-to-face -face page, or you can just go straight to the store. Um, there's another website called face-to-faceworship.net uh, that actually talks specifically about the discipleship material. Uh -huh. uh, there's actually a link there where you can watch one of the videos um, the the the, uh, the workbook and the in the DVDs they go hand in hand. Uh -huh. um, the the actual package discipleship package that we sell online has three uh, has three things that, that that are in the packet. There's a, there's a DVD set which has all 27 classes taught by myself uh, in a studio. They're not they're not live settings. They're in a studio. Uh -huh. um, and then uh, and then there's the workbook of course which I recommend for everybody to have right. a copy of the workbook. And then uh, and then there's a book. Uh, they're uh, called uh, Being Intimate with God. And, it, and that book has actually been written by my mentor. Uh, his name is Larry Reese. He's my spiritual dad who's been uh -huh. doing discipleship ministry for 22 years out of Atlanta, Georgia. Now he's in Cincinnati. But in Atlanta, he had a ministry called Rafa Frontline that functioned for about 20 years. And, um, uh, and so um, 
I, I use that book as required reading. In fact, I use several of his books as required reading. Uh-huh. He has nine to his credit, and all nine books are used for discipleship purposes. And, uh, and so I use a book in session one, a couple in session two, and then one in session three of his books. But, uh, but the one that I sell with the package is the Being Intimate with God book because it goes so well with session one. Right. Um, and so anyway, uh, uh, you, can get this, you can get the full package on the website. I do not recommend just buying the workbook unless you're wanting to look at it as a means of going, do I want to do this? Right. Then I would, yeah, if, if you want to just look at it and, and, and peruse through it. Uh, otherwise, you, it's difficult to teach from the workbook because it only contains half of the information. Sure. Uh, we designed it that way on purpose. Otherwise, what would be the need for people to come to the classroom? Right. Um, we recommend getting the DVDs only because, you know, at the end of the day, there's going to be a whole lot more content on that specific, specific subject sure. on the DVD that you can make note of in the book. Um, several ministries across the country are us- utilizing the material. A lot of worship pastors are using it. Um, they're, they're discipling their teams, discipling their choirs, you know, so on and so forth. And the reason why they're doing this is because ultimately at the end of the day, they've recognized that there is this need um, in their teams for, for, for those who are standing on the stage to be discipled. Right. Um, one, one, uh, one instance, uh, you know, one has, has, was noted as saying, you know, I, I, want my, I just want my team to actually live what they sing. Yeah. You know, we stand up yeah. and sing songs week after week, and half of us aren't believing what it is that we're singing. Why? Because I know their lives. I know what they're yeah. living, you know? Yep. I mean, and so, you know, for that reason alone, it gets everybody on the same page. Yeah. And, uh, and so anyway. Now, what are, what are some applications if, let's say, uh, there's someone that's, that's listening and they're a, uh, a lay worship pastor or, you know, they're, they're a part of a team or maybe mm-hmm. now they have the task that they're leading this team and they're saying, man, I know, I recognize that we need this. What are some ways that they can utilize this? Maybe what Sunday school class, Absolutely. if they have that, you know, or some... Uh, time with that if if your church does not have like a specific time for doing a Sunday school maybe it's a uh, a part of your rehearsal maybe you just carve that in how long does it take for each week in that DVD they, they vary let me tell you what I really when I when I did the DVDs I envisioned the DVDs to actually be watched by the one teaching I did not envision that the DVDs would okay. be watched by the actual class okay um, there are some who are doing that, I, and, I, and I don't discourage that. At sure. the same time, I don't promote that. And the reason why is because when you're talking about relationship, relationship's a very personal thing. It needs a personal um, uh, encounter, if you right. will. So having someone stand up there and actually teach the class, I believe, gives a much more personal, intimate right. touch than just watching a screen. Um, now, like I said, some are, some are utilizing that, some are not. Um, uh, one of the things that I recommend, um, in fact, when I do, when we do conferences and i and I do a lot of teaching at conferences, I will tell people that, uh, my recommendation would be that you have a night not dedicated to rehearsal. Okay. The reason why is because oftentimes, and I, and I found this to be an issue when I was doing it before I actually wrote the material. Um, oftentimes you feel pressured by the time I got to get this in. You know, so I want to get this and I got to get this in. And so what ends up happening is something gets left out. Right. My recommendation is always try to have another night that's and, and, and tell your team, listen, it's this is not this is not something that you have to come to. It's recommended, strongly recommended. Yeah. You know, but give them the option to say, you know what, I don't want to do that. At the end of the day, it's going to eventually expose 
where they are. That, yeah. And that's a discipleship tool all sure. its own, you know. Um, but but uh, but have another night where they can just come in and they're not they're not engaging in anything, not rehearsing for anything. They're just there to be developed and taught. Yeah. Um, I, I always recommend that. I think it's more personal. I think it's more effective, and ultimately, at the end of the day, it's going to produce greater fruit. Sure. Um, so you know, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's my recommendation. Uh, like I said, it it can be used in a lot of different formats. It is being actually. Um, some are using it on Sunday mornings prior to their rehearsal time. I've got one pastor in Tennessee who uses it uh, prior to his rehearsal time. It's just him and his and his praise team, uh-huh. and uh, and he spends that. He watches the videos during the week, and then he comes in on Sunday morning, and they spend an hour together before their rehearsal. Yeah, and uh, and they they take that time to just discuss and go over. Each member of the team has a workbook, and and uh, that's how they've been doing it. Um, you know, some of them are using it in between services, you know, yeah. so you know, you got, you got that early morning service at eight o'clock and then you've got a nice, you know, solid 40 minutes before, you know, and it's okay. So I'm going to take 20, 25 minutes to yeah. just disciple my team between services. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's, it, it varies, but, but at the end of the day, um, there were some ways in which it was created some things that, you know, I mean, I would say, yeah, I, I think it's most effective this way, but sure. however it fits your format, that's what's important most. Now, is if someone has a has a question, um, they go to your website. Is there a way that they can email you right Absolutely. from the website, or do you have an email address that you want to shoot out? Or? Absolutely, um, you can you can email uh, from the website. In fact, if you go to the website, the lesterandholly.com site or the face to face site, you can reach me via email on either one of those. Um, but on the back of every book, if they're buying a book, on the back of every book is the information, even my number, my personal office number. Uh-huh. Um, this thing is very, very uh, uh, dear to me. And what I mean by that is that I, I, when, when, when writing it, this, these are not just words that are coming off of a page by somebody who has thought something up. These are life experiences, things right. that I have, I, I have revelations that God has given to me per my experiences. Right. Um, so I take it very personal when someone emails or calls me and says, can you explain this? Right. Or can you talk to me about this? Um, we, we intentionally, when, when Holly and I put this out, we intentionally decided that, you know, this would be something that we would, um, that we would be intentional about keeping in touch with where people are yeah. in it. So I, I make a point to email the pastors and music ministers and youth pastors who I know that are implementing this program. Uh, I, I try to stay in touch with them to find out how is it going, what do you need, do you need anything? You know, I give them suggested reading material you know, for their students, some things that they can go and research you know, that will help better enhance the teaching, right. um, so on and so forth. You know, so... Uh, and uh, and some have actually been a blessing to me. They've come back and say, "Hey, man, you know what? I'm cataloging some of this stuff. You know, hey, that's great. You yeah. know, they're, they're they're actually they're actually transcribing <laughs> what's on the DVD, oh, wow. uh, so that they can couple it with with what's in the book. You know, yeah. so that they get word for word, you know, information, which I thought was tremendous. Obviously, that's not recommended for everybody. Sure, you know? but uh, an email address by which they can reach me at is f to f worship at gmail dot com. Uh, F number two F worship at gmail.com, which basically stands for face to face worship. Yeah. Uh, just F to F at gmail.com, worship at gmail.com can get me and, uh, and we can go from there. So. Well, I hope that you have enjoyed this discussion on discipleship, how we can implement a discipleship program in our ministry. Lester has developed a great resource, and I believe that it, it would be very useful for your ministry. Go to leadersinworship.com slash 007 
and you'll find in our show notes how you can get a hold of Lester and Holly and find out more information about their new CD that's coming up, and we're excited about that for them. Uh, They're great worship leaders and songwriters, amazing vocalists, and they would be a great help in your ministry. So check that out. And if you have any questions, maybe comments that you would like to leave us, we would greatly appreciate hearing from you. And so you can go to our website, leadersinworship.com. You can leave a voicemail right on the website, or you can access us by phone at 407-308-5323. That's 407-208-LEAD. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Well, thank you again for listening to the Leaders in Worship podcast. I can only smile when I think about your love, when I think about your grace and the beauty of your face. I can only smile when I think of all your ways, when I lift my hands in praise.